book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and reading verse 5. We are reading out the New Living Translation uh, this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. While you're turning there and you're getting ready this morning, you know this is the last time uh, for, uh, of 2010, my last opportunity to preach this year. So I've decided to just make up for all of those things I didn't say for the year, all of those subjects that I, I didn't get to cover. I've just put it all together this morning and we only have one service and we have nowhere to go. So we're going to be here a long, long time this morning. Is that all right? I just made, I just made liars out of you, but at least I've got people that need to repent this morning. So. No, we're not going to do that at all this morning. I'm just having a little bit of fun with you today. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse number 5, again in the New Living uh, Translation, he, he tells us, he says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is in you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Let me read the first part of that again. Paul says to examine yourselves and see if your faith is genuine and that we should test ourselves. For a few moments this morning, we're going to be taking inventory. We're going to be taking inventory. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have again to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for those that are here today. Father, we thank you for an incredible year at, at New Bethel. Lord, it's been the year of change and there's been a lot of changes and some we've liked and some we haven't liked and some we've embraced and, and some we've balked at. But we thank you, Father. We do know that we heard your word and we heard what you had for us and we thank you and we know that it is a part of your will for New Bethel for 2020. 10. But also we understand that this year is coming to a close and Lord you've got something fresh and new and exciting for us in the year to come. But Lord before we get into the new year, Lord help us today Lord to close out the old year right. Father anoint us with your anointing we ask for the glory of God. All of God's people said praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. At the end of every year most businesses take inventory They count everything. They examine everything. They do a thorough examination of what they have, of what they've sold. They they discover what has been stolen. And when they are finished taking inventory, they have a pretty good idea about what shape their business is in. Well, friend, I believe that if the secular world has enough smarts to know that it needs to check up on itself from time to time, how much more should we, as the people of God, understand that we need to check up on ourselves as well? We need to take inventory of our lives. We need to see what we have lost. We need to see what we have gained. Oh, we need to, we need to uh, see what the devil has stolen from our lives. We, we, we need to see what is damaged and yet is, is repairable. As we get close to the end of the year and before we begin a brand new year, now, today, is a good time to take inventory of our life. Are we happy uh, with the way that 2010 uh, turned out? Are we happy? Uh, are we pleased with this past year? If we're not, what could we do to make sure that 2011 turns out differently? I think there are a host of questions that, that we could ask ourselves today to ascertain how successful that our lives are compared to how they could or should be. 
I've narrowed this list of questions down to three. So as we take inventory of our lives today, we should ask ourselves these three questions. Now there are a host of other questions that if we had time this morning we could ask as well, but for time's sake this morning, let me, let me narrow these questions down to three. I think these are very, very good questions, very pertinent questions. I believe we need to ask ourselves these questions and be honest with our answer today. So the first question I think that we ought to ask ourselves this morning as we take inventory of our own life, ask yourself this morning, am I the person that God wants me to be? Am I the person that God wants me to be? You see, at the end of the day, this might be the most important question of all. I said at the end of the day, there might not be a, a, a question that's, that, that's greater than the question that, that am I the person that God wants me to be? You see, we are pulled and tugged on from every direction. Our parents, they want us to, to become this. Uh, our spouse wants us to become that. Our children have an entirely different idea of what we ought to be. And our boss and our friends and the world and the, and the list goes on and on as, as we are pulled on and tugged on in every direction and everybody's got a different idea about what we ought to be and everybody wants something different from our lives. I have members in this church that want me to be a certain way and they want me to do things a certain way. I have other members that want... Exactly the opposite. My wife, bless her heart, I love her, she's awesome, but she has her idea of who she wants me to be. My staff, I love them, they're awesome, they're incredible, but they have their idea of who they want me to be. And the list goes on and on and on. But the question we ought to be asking ourselves today is, am I the person that God wants me to be? Am I the person that He created me to be? Am I the person that He designed me to be? The psalmist said in Psalm 139 and 16, oh, he's speaking to God and he said, God, you saw me before I was born. God, you saw me before I was born and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Jeremiah 29 and 11, one of my favorite verses. God said, do you not know the plans that I have for you? Oh, they're plans for good and not for evil. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. God says, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for your life. Let me tell you something else this morning. The devil has a plan for your life too. Oh yes, God has a plan for your life, but, but, but the devil has a plan for your life too. Your wife has a plan for you too. Hopefully those are not the two same people. <laughs> yeah, God has a plan for you, but the devil has a plan for you. Your wife has a plan for you. Your boss has a plan for you. Your friends have a plan for you. Your co-workers have a plan for you. Everybody's got a plan for us. Everybody wants something from us. 
question is this morning, whose plan are we fitting into? Have we allowed a certain person to influence us? Have we allowed the world to influence us? Ask yourself this morning, am I the person that God wants me to be? Now, I believe that God has a specific and particular plan for each and every one of us, and yet God has an overall generic plan for all of us as well. Let me give you that that generic overall. This part of God's plan is for everybody. Five things that God wants for all of us. First of all, real quickly this morning, God wants us to be saved. He wants everybody to be saved. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. There's a group of people that have a doctrine that says that God predetermined who would be saved and who would be lost. That God said, I like you, I don't like you, I can't stand you, you're saved, you're lost, you're heaven, you're hell. No! Did God predetermine a plan for us? Yes, He predetermined that everybody that would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved. God's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. God not only has a plan for us to be saved, but God also wants us to be Spirit-filled. He wants us to be full of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and 39. The gift of the Holy Spirit. That that gift that comes after salvation. Yes, we, we receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved. But then there is also another experience. We call that the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is available to everybody that, that knows Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's, that is God's plan for you also. Not only to be saved, but also to be full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 38 and 39. The gift of the Spirit. It is for you. Those people he's talking to. It's for your children, he said. And he said it's for those that are afar off. And uh, many interpret that saying in distant times and places. And But here it is. And as many as the Lord our God will call. And, the, and God is still calling all believers to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The third thing God wants for everybody, and that is he wants us to be sanctified. Now, you don't hear that word sanctification anymore. That's not a popular word. But it's the will of God that we be sanctified. The word sanctified simply means to be set apart from the world and set apart to the service of the Lord, to be pure, to be holy, to be righteous. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, this is the will of God. What is the will of God? Your sanctification. That's what the word says. The fourth thing that God wants for everybody, God wants us to be servants. Yeah, oh, we want to be saved, but who in the world wants to be a servant? But the same God that saved us all and called us to salvation also called us to servanthood. Friend, God didn't save us just so we could sit sour and soak. He's called us to serve. Matthew 23, verse 11 and 12. Who is greatest among you, let him be your servant. And if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. But if you'll humble yourself, the word of God says you will be Exalted. The fifth thing that God wants for everybody. This is God's generic plan for everybody. God, He wants us to be satisfied. One of my life verses. Oh, I love it in the Amplified Version. John 10 and 10. Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance. And have it to the full. And have it until it overflows. I understand that no one is 100% satisfied 
in life 100% of the time. We all have our good days and we have our bad days. We all have our ups and we have our downs. And hear me, friend, life was not meant to be a continual adrenaline rush. That's not realistic. God didn't intend for life to be one big, giant, continual uh, rush of adrenaline. But on the other hand, life wasn't meant to be lived without satisfaction either. The problem for most people today is that they are looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. They have bought the lie of the enemy, the lie of the devil, and he says that satisfaction comes from people and places and and positions and, uh, and possessions. But the truth of the matter is this morning, true satisfaction comes only through becoming the person God intended for you to be when he brought you into this world. So ask yourself this question this morning, am I the person... That God wants me to be. Not the person that some other person wants me to be. Not not the person that society says that I need to be. I understand this morning that some of you have been wearing a mask for so long. You have been playing pretend for so long. You have been trying to please everybody for so long. You don't even have a clue who you are or who God wants you to be. I said, you've been wearing a mask so long. You've been playing pretend for so long. You've been trying, amen, to do the song and dance, amen, that everybody wants you to do, that you don't even have a clue anymore who you are or who God wants you to be. Let me help you out a little bit this morning. Here's a clue. The easiest person to be is yourself. The easiest person to be is yourself. To be somebody other than who God designed you to be will require a whole lot of work. I said to be somebody that you were not intended to be. To be somebody that you were not designed to be. To be somebody that God has not gifted you to be. To be somebody other than God who God wanted you to be. It's going to cost you a whole lot of work. It's going to be a whole lot of effort. It's going to bring with it a lot of stress, a lot of fatigue, and a lot of unhappiness. Listen, how could you be happy? How could you be happy living a life that God didn't design you to live? Now hear me this morning, I'm, I, even though the easiest person to be is yourself, I'm not telling you to be lazy. Not telling you don't work hard. Hear me this morning, God wants me to be the best me that I can be. But the best me is the best me. Not the best I can be like somebody else. We're taking inventory this morning. We're taking inventory and and finding out where we are at in our life. And if we don't like what we discover this morning, we've got some opportunity to change it. Three questions to ask ourselves this morning. Number one, ask yourself, am I the person that God created me to be? The second question you need to ask yourself this morning, am I performing the task God assigned me. Am I performing the task God assigned to me? You see, nobody is born without a purpose. 
Now, I know we hear that a lot. It's kind of a buzzword the last several years. And sometimes we've heard it so much we don't even, you know, we just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. We need to hear it again this morning. We need to really, really hear it that no one is born without a purpose. And just because your purpose is not what the world would say grandiose or gigantic or humongous, just because you don't have, you know, your purpose is not to be President of the United States or, you know, something like that. That doesn't mean you don't have a purpose. Your purpose could be to be a wife and to be a mother. Amen? Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has an assignment from God in life. Let me just tell you a little bit about my assignment. I just do so to you get the point and, and I'm the one preaching this morning. So my, my assignment... My assignment in this life includes being a son, a husband, a father, a pawpaw, a pastor, a leader, a friend. Part of my assignment in life is to be a pastor. That's not my entire assignment. That's just part of my assignment in life. But part of my assignment uh, is to be a pastor. And part of the assignment that I have as a pastor, I have discovered over the years that part of my assignment as a pastor is in building and rebuilding churches. Yeah, God's assigned me and given me a purpose of being a pastor, but not just being a pastor, but as a pastor, God has some specific assignments for me and for every pastor. And one of the assignments I have as a pastor is is in building and rebuilding churches, taking churches that nobody else wants and turning them around. And that's happened three times in my ministry. Part of my assignment as a pastor has been in not only rebuilding churches, but in rebuilding broken people. That's part of my assignment I've discovered in my ministry and in my pastoral ministry. As God has assigned me, I've discovered over the years to not only rebuild broken churches, but to rebuild broken people, taking people that have been disillusioned uh, with church and disillusioned with pastors, people that have been heard in other churches and by other pastors, and rebuilding their faith and rebuilding their confidence and rebuilding their trust in the church and in church leaders. That's part of my assignment as a pastor. Part of my assignment as a pastor is to build strong, missions-minded churches. Every church we've ever pastored or started with have tripled or quadrupled or more uh, in missions giving. I believe that is a direct reflection to the blessing of God on that church. Part of my assignment as a pastor is to preach practical sermons... That's part of my assignment. I, I, I don't preach a lot on prophecy. I'm, I'm not real strong, uh, uh, you know, on the ten toes of Daniel. And I'm not real strong in, in Revelation. I, I, I'm not some, and I know I've got to tell you this because you don't know it, but I'm not some deep theological uh, theologian. Some of you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> but that's all right. And there's a place for deep theologians. Amen. It's called Bible school. 
I mean, I, you know, half of my people, you know, uh, if, I, if I tell them to, to, to turn the book of Hezekiah, they'll look for 30 minutes trying to find it. You won't find it. <laughs> this is not for everybody. It's just the assignment that God has for me as a pastor. And my, part of my assignment is, is to preach very practical how-to sermons that, 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 that teach and, and help people live their everyday lives. I mean, I could spend 45 minutes talking about how to get from Dan to Beersheba, but none of you are going there. But you're going to work. You need to know how you need to treat your boss. You're going home. You need to know how you need to treat, you know, you need to know how you need to treat uh, the people that are at the house. Amen, you know. Uh, you got, you, you know, you, you got to have money to live on, so you ought to know a little bit, amen, about how to handle that money. Somebody called me up and ripped me up one side and down the other because I talked about money too much. I said, well, it's sure helping the people that are listening. Don't affect my salary. I'm not trying to get a raise. I turned three down. I'm not trying to get a raise. I'm trying to help. Amen? You see, God hasn't just called me to be a pastor, but as a pastor, He has given me some specific assignments. Friend, not only do we need to discover the general task that God has assigned to us, but in that general task, we ought to also discover the specific task in the general task that God has assigned to us. Does that make sense? My wife liked it, amen. How many understand, God didn't just call Jonah to be a prophet. Yeah, he called him to be a prophet, but it wasn't just a general call, be a prophet. No, he called him not only just to be a prophet, but he called him to to prophesy to a particular people. And the people of Nineveh uh, were the particular people he was called to. And God gave Jonah a specific word for a specific people. Amen. We don't just need to discover the will of God for our life. We don't just need to discover, amen, uh, the task that God has assigned to us, but in that general assignment we need to find out what specifically in this does God want from me? Amen. Pastor Braden's an awesome worship leader. You know what? But you know what? We had a worship leader before we had him. His name was Carl. And there was a worship leader before him. I don't remember him. I wasn't here. Amen. Both great guys, both great worship leaders, amen, but both of them have a different assignment. They're doing the same job, but they've got a different assignment in that job. Amen? Does that make sense? If it don't, I'm going to stay on it until I make it make make sense. Does it make sense? (laughs) All right. I thought that'd get an amen. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 11 in the Message Bible said it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. The third question that we need to ask ourselves today, we're taking inventory. Inventory. The third question that we need to ask ourselves as we inventory our lives, am I living my life with passion? Ask yourself this morning, am I, am I living my life with passion? Romans 12 and 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and, and serve the Lord enthusiastically. 
Some of you serve the Lord, but there ain't a whole lot of enthusiasm. And I know for me and Ricky Madrano, enthusiasm is being an idiot. Anytime my wife's sitting by me, she says, don't sing so loud. Sorry, I'm going to be me. And I know for some of us, like me and Ricky, being enthusiastic, uh, enthusiasm is kind of being kind of out there. And some of you, this is enthusiasm. I'm not, that's, I'm not criticizing. I'm telling you, for some of you, this is enthusiasm. One of my best friends is Johnny Showalter. And for him, this is enthusiasm. But I know when he's not enthused either. I've seen Grumpy. Sometimes I have to calm him and, and Randy down. You know, they get too wild over here. You know. But, but is that right, Linda? I mean, that's, but it is. That's enthusiasm for him. That's, that's, that's as far as it goes. But when I see it, I know it. And I'm going to tell you something. When I'm preaching, I look at Johnny about half the time. He don't jump and shout and buck and spit and all that. But I can, I can tell he's with me. Just give me that little nod. Just give me that little bit. I'm not saying for you to... I'm telling you to be who you are. But be everything you are. Amen. Am I living my life with passion, enthusiasm? Amen. Colossians 3 and 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. I'm not preaching for you this morning. I hope you like it. But I'm not preaching for you this morning. I'm not pleasing. I'm not preaching for your applause. I'm not preaching for you to pat me on the back. And, and I'm, 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 I'm human. And I, I like to be patted on the back. I like a compliment every once in a while if it's genuine. But I'm not doing it for you. And I love you. But I'm not doing it for you. Amen? Really be hard sometimes to do it for you. I'm doing it as under the Lord. Amen? Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. The problem, you're, the reason why you're having so many problems at work, you're doing it for your boss. He's a jerk. So don't do it for him. Do it for the Lord. Do it as a representative of the Lord. Ecclesiastes nine and ten. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Friend, life is too short to live it without passion. I said, life is too short to live it without passion. Ask yourself this morning, what is it in life that motivates me? What is it in life that drives me? What is it in life that gets me out of bed in the morning? What is it that brings fulfillment and satisfaction to me? What is it? Now, as I said earlier, I understand that life wasn't intended to be one big, giant, continual adrenaline rush. But on the other hand, life wasn't meant to be just endured either. Jesus said that He came that you might have and enjoy life. Say enjoy life. Have it in abundance. Say abundance. To the full until it overflows. That doesn't sound like some kind of mundane, monotonous, humdrum, boring life. 
1 Peter 1 and 8, life can be full of rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory. For some of you here this morning, it's been a long, long, long time since you possessed passion for anything. You remember passion? You've experienced passion in your life. But what happened to it? Where did it go? Let me mention a a few passion killers. And these along with other things can and do kill the passion in our lives if we let them. Got five of them this morning. We'll try and cover them real quickly. The first one is an unbalanced schedule. An unbalanced schedule. Friend, if you, if you work too much, if you overload your schedule with overtime, and then after you've worked your overtime, then you've committed yourself to too many extracurricular events and activities. Friend, if you burn the candle at both ends, you will eventually burn out and passion will be gone from your life. Psalm 127 and 2 says, It's senseless to work so hard from early morning to late at night, fearing that you're not going to have anything to eat. He says God wants His children to get their proper rest. Some of you, your depression would go away if you would just get a good night's sleep. Some of you, some of your aches and pains and problems would go away if you just got a good night's sleep on a regular basis. I recommend falling asleep in your chair about 9.45. (laughs) About 2 o'clock you can wake up, go to the bathroom, get in bed. Amen. Some of you are constantly giving out. Constantly. You're always helping somebody. You're always going, always doing, always serving, always giving. What's wrong with that? The word always. An unbalanced schedule where you overdo can rob you of passion for the very thing you are doing and for some of you the exact opposite the exact opposite of this is true you also have an unbalanced schedule you are guilty of working and doing too little You're constantly taking in. But you're never giving out. You're like a sponge that's always soaking in. But it's never squeezed out. Oh, you come to church and you hear sermons and you hear lessons. And, oh, you watch Christian TV and you listen to Christian radio. Oh, you read Christian books. You go to Christian seminars. You're always learning, learning, learning. You're always receiving, receiving, receiving. You're always taking in, taking in, taking in, taking in, taking in, taking in. But you never give out. You're big on Bible study, 
you knew better than to turn to the book of Hezekiah. (laughs) You do know who those ten toes of Daniel are. You do understand every symbol in the book of the Revelation. You're big on Bible study. You're big on church. You're big on lessons. Big on fellowship. But actual work for the kingdom of God is non-existent. I thought so myself. God wants you to be a river. But you're only a reservoir. People who are inactive, people who are not active in life will see the passion that they once had quickly evaporate. Got to hurry. Number two, how about an unused talent? And you've heard me preach this a thousand times, so I'll just hit it and run. But the gifts, talents, and abilities that we have are a clue to what our life's work ought to be. I've told you before, you can ask a rabbit to run, you can ask a, a bird to fly, you can ask a fish to swim, and they will excel. But you ask that same bird to run, you ask that same rabbit to swim, you ask that same fish to fly, and they will be frustrated and fail. Unused talent will kill passion. When a car is out of alignment, that that car will veer to the right or to the left and become hard to navigate and hard to steer. Friend, when our life's work is out of alignment, when our work does not line up with our gifts, our talents, and our abilities, we will struggle, our life will become difficult to steer, and we will bounce around all over the road. 1 Peter 4 and 10, God has given all of us a special gift. Use it well. So let me give you some practical advice this morning. If you're in a job that is not suited to your talents, keep it. If you are in a job that is not suited for your talents, keep it for now. And start looking for a job for the future, say future, that better matches your talents. And only when you get that job do you let this job go. Got that? Don't come for me for help to pay your bills saying you told me to quit my job. I did not. Here's another another suggestion. If your talents don't match your life's work, maybe there's something in the church that you can do as a ministry, say ministry, that will give you an outlet for your talents. Keep your job to pay your bills. Find your fulfillment through a ministry in the church. Amen? Just saying. Third one, unconfessed sin. Psalm 38 and 4, the psalmist said, My guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy for me to bear. Friend, the very thing that we were so passionate about kills passion in our lives. Did you hear me? I said the very thing that we were so passionate about kills passion in our lives. Whether it be alcohol, drugs, illicit sex, gambling, or whatever our choice or brand of sin. 
David's passion for Bathsheba drove him to commit adultery and murder. But the passion for his sin killed his passion for his God. Psalm 51 and 12, David cries, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The, the thing, the, 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 the sin that he was so passionate about was the very thing that robbed him of his passion for God. Friend, passion for sin will kill our passion for God. Number four, quickly. Another passion killer is unresolved conflict. We talked a lot about this recently. Let me just hit it and run. Hebrews 12 and 15. Watch out for that poisonous root of bitterness. Lest it grows up and trouble you and starts corrupting a whole lot of people. How many of you have ever been bebopping through your day, man? And for you, man, I mean the sun is shining and the sky is blue and the birds are singing. And all is well with your world. And then all of a sudden you meet up with a certain person. You know that one you can't get along with? You know that one that you haven't forgiven? Unresolved conflict can kill your passion. It can drain every ounce of joy from your life. And the fifth thing quickly this morning, an unsupported lifestyle. An unsupported lifestyle. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate each other. Say, motivate each other. Let us think of ways to motivate each other in the faith. And let us not neglect our meeting together. People say, I don't need to go to church. Bunch of hypocrites anyway. Music's too loud. The preacher's too long. It's boring. I don't need to go to church. Wow, we got... PTL and TBN and XYZ and R37 and man, I, I don't need to go to church. I, I don't need church. I don't need fellowship with other Christians. But we do. We need one another. We need to come together on Sunday morning and celebrate. We need to go to a connection group and fellowship. And get to know our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. We need to come together on Wednesday nights and cultivate our knowledge of the Word of God. Friend, an unsupported lifestyle will drain the passion and kill the passion in your life. If we could get the musicians and singers back this morning, true story, true story. Focus on the message, not people moving around, please. True story. A Christian woman was on the television show Survivor. How many's watched Survivor? You know what Survivor is, sure. Christian woman on the television show Survivor. She was told that she could bring five items with her. One of the items that she wanted to bring was her Bible. But she was told by the producers that she could not bring her Bible. Not that they were against the Bible, but because another Christian had been on the show and on a previous show, and that Christian had brought their Bible, and so they wanted it to be a different show, and so they wanted her to bring five different things that had never been brought before. And so, so this Christian woman was not allowed to bring her Bible on the show Survivor. True story. After the show was over, this 
Well, let me tell you that, that this Christian woman, without her Bible, without Christian friends, without Christian fellowship, without Christian influence, after a while she started using bad language. She never used bad language before. She started using bad language. She started developing a bad attitude. She started lying. She started cheating. She started manipulating. These are her words. Interviewed by a prominent pastor after her time on Survivor. And these were her words. She said, I could not live the Christian life without support. Friend, an unsupported lifestyle will kill our passion for God. You let something keep you out of church, I don't care what it is. It could be anything. See how well you do. Stop reading your Bible and see how well you do. Stop praying. See how well you do. Stop hanging out with Christian people. See how well you do. We need the support that we receive from good godly relationships. We need the support that we get from the ministries of the church. We need the support that we get from daily Bible reading and prayer. Stand with me this morning, please. We're taking inventory of our lives today. We're asking ourselves three questions. Am I the person... God wants me to be not the person that some other person or persons wants me to be. Not some mold that someone is trying to squeeze me into. I've been in in ministry for 38 years as a pastor now. And I can't tell you how many fads have come down the pipe. I can't tell you how many times people told me I need to be doing things a certain way. I even had a guy tell me one time, if you don't do this, you're going to miss out. I'm not saying we shouldn't be up to date. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we don't need to jump on every fad and every bandwagon that comes along. And you know what? It wasn't six months later and that thing he just, you know, you had to be. It was something else. And about two years later, it was something else. Am I the person that God wants me to be? Am I the person God designed me and equipped me to be? And am I performing the task that God assigned to me? I was born with a destiny, a divine purpose. Am I fulfilling the divine purpose? Okay, now I've discovered the, in general what God wants for me to be. For me, it's the pastor. But there's all kinds of pastors. There's all kinds of opportunities and all kinds of different ways of being a pastor. Now that I've designed, I understand that part of my assignment is to be a pastor. But God, as a pastor, as a part of my life's work, but what is it that you specifically want from me as a pastor? What is the contribution that I can make? That Pastor... uh, Page didn't make or Pastor Barrett didn't make or Pastor Savage didn't make. They all made deposits into New Bethel. But God, I don't think you want me to be a Pastor Page or Pastor Barrett or Pastor uh, Savage. If if you wanted that, you just kept the same package in place. God, I evidently there's something that I I've got that I can contribute. 
that new Bethel needs now. I'm saying, I'm just talking about myself now. Same is true for you. Okay, God. I know my assignment now. I know where, where I, you know, it fits my gifts, talents, and abilities. But inside of this, what is it specifically you want to accomplish where I'm at? Does it make sense? Amen. Am I performing the task God assigned me to be? And am I living my life with passion? And hear me, and I'm done. I promise I'm done. I promise. Steve, you can knock me over the head with this if I'm not done with this. Am I living my life with passion? The only way that you can answer yes to this question, the only way you can answer yes to this question is if you are able to answer yes to the questions one and two. Because the only way that you can sustain passion in your life, the only way you can sustain passion in your life is if you are the person God wants you to be and if you are performing the task God assigns you to do. So as we close out another year, as we soon enter a brand new year, let's, let's take inventory of our lives this morning. What is working and what is not? Are we pleased with the results of this past year? Are we pleased with our life up until now? If we're not, what are the steps that we're going to take to ensure a better future? our past what are the steps we're going to take I think the first step is to answer truthfully the questions we've given ourselves today Father thank you for the word of the Lord this morning thank you for an attentive people today God I just pray today Lord you know that this is who we are this is our heart and this is just who we are and who you've called us and designed us to be